What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of A Space For You. I know it has been a minute uh, since you've seen me, since we've had a new episode, but I am so excited to be back and to introduce today's guest. I have a very special person in the space today, Ms. Shaquayla Mims. She is a television writer on the series BMF on Stars. Um, so she's here today to talk with us a little bit more about her journey as a writer in this industry, and especially given the ongoing writer strike, give us a little bit of insight on what we should know, how to stay informed, and what her experience as a Black woman has been like. I followed Shaquayla on Twitter for a little while now, so that's how I connected with her, even though it is a sinking ship um, on <laughs> by the day, but I'm grateful that it allowed us to connect. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Shaquayla to the space. How are you doing today? Hello, hello, hello. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Like I told you, I'm hot in here. My AC blew out. So if this hair is <laughs> um, by the end of the show, if you're listening to just the audio of this, I have uh, like curl wanded hair. And as I was doing, it looks beautiful. You are doing it. Okay. <laughs> as I was doing it, it was like sweating out in real time. So we're going to make it work today. Yes, for sure. Uh, Shaquayla, tell me, what space are you in today? You know, today I'm in a space where there's a lot of great things happening in the midst of a bunch of chaos. You know what I mean? Like, you get on, you know, you get on Twitter or you read the trades, the Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, all of those. And it it'll give you the impression that like I think you said earlier, the ship is sinking. <laughs> um, and so I have to, for myself, I have to take a step back from reading and being online and, and giving energy to that. And when I take a step back, I realize that there's still so much to be grateful for. Um, as in addition to the writer's strike, uh, the show that I'm working on was on hiatus in between seasons anyway. And so now with the writer's strike, it's been a it's been a great opportunity for me to really step back and and get back into my creative space and figure out what I want to write about, what story I'm um, passionate about right now today. And so getting back to writing for myself has been just so amazing. And so that's what I've been really holding on to. Um, for the past few months and weeks, and so I'm very grateful for that. So I can say I can honestly say I'm in a I'm in a good space, and just letting the chaos be what it's be, and finding uh, ways and reasons to be grateful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, we're gonna get more into like the writer strike specifically. Yeah. Doing now, but um, there's something you said around it, like giving you the time to like just kind of go back to yourself, like as a writer, as a creator. Um, but tell me a little bit more about like your start uh, as a writer. Like, tell me about your roots. Like, what got you started um, in this field? To be honest, uh, a bad breakup. <laughs> um, I I kind of was one of those kids who always grew up uh, being told that I was a great writer and that this is something that I was really good at. But I never really paid attention to it. It just was one of those things that came easy. And so I was just like, oh, you know, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that not everybody can write like this or it doesn't come easy. 
you know what I mean, to everybody. So it took me a while to realize that writing was a gift and a superpower or a talent or whatever you want to call it. And so fast forward to, I think it was around 2016, I'm going through this breakup and suddenly I have all this time on my hands and Insecure premiered around then or shortly thereafter. And I remember looking at the TV screen like, Issa Rae, like I used to watch this girl when I was just in college a few years ago on YouTube. How did she get to HBO? You know, it was HBO at the time. And so I just started digging into it and reading about her journey and for whatever reason, well, I know the reason, but it had not clicked for me up until that point that I could be a TV writer as a black woman. I think because, you know, growing up before the internet and everything like that, the only entertainers that you really see, that you really saw on the covers of magazines or TV or what have you were the actors, you know, and maybe the directors like the Spike Lees uh, of the world, the Cassie Lemons and all of them. And so seeing Issa's journey finally connected the dots like, oh, somebody, yeah, duh, somebody writes this stuff for them. And so that was my first foray into screenwriting. Screenwriting, I pretty much taught myself. Um, I would go to the public library near me because I had a full-time job working in nonprofit, living in D.C. Oh, non- and I was... Yes. Okay, shout out, you know, and and that's something that I just I always, I always feel like I just in service, you know what I mean? Like you can still be a writer and still be in service, you know what I mean? What have you? But that was where I was then, um, serving serving that nonprofit, and I had this interest, and so I would go to the public library, you know, wrote wrote I think my first three scripts on the public library. Of course, they were all about this breakup because I was like, I'm a, I'm gonna make him regret the day he ever, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he gonna have to look me up on Google to see what I, you know what I mean. So, but thankfully, <laughs> as I after I moved to Atlanta shortly after I started that journey because I was just. I was just, I just fell in love with it. I was going to shoot the pilot, all of this, realized I didn't really know a lot about what I was doing and I needed to learn more. So I moved to Atlanta where independent um, productions are, are, um, you know, rampant there. And it's a great independent film and TV community. Learned more, fell in love and just kept writing and learning, reading books, going to, you know, meetups. Atlanta would, you know, had different, independent writers rooms, going to those and just really ingratiating myself into the work and focusing on that. And then everything else just just happened. I became a director's assistant on the first season of BMF. Uh, the showrunner, you know what I mean? After seeing my hard work, Randy Huggins, shout out to Randy Huggins. He reached out to all of the assistants and he was like, I don't want to you know, I don't want to build more assistants. I want to build more writers. You know what I mean? I want to give more writers opportunities. He's like, you got two days to send me your best one hour drama, you know, pilot. And thankfully COVID, we were still kind of in the middle of COVID, but when everything shut down in 2020, I just went harder. I started directing independent short films. I was, anytime I wasn't directing, I was writing. And so when that opportunity came about, I I already had a pilot ready to go that I had been working on for three years. So 
submitted that and you know he was like whoever's script it's going to be read by executives at Lionsgate and other writers in the writer's room and whoever they feel like is ready is going to be promoted to the writing staff for season two so I ended up you know what I mean winning what it what the what was called the script bake-off and and joined the writer's team on season two and I've been I've been working on BMF ever since what a journey what a journey. <laughs> I think between oh, go ahead I was gonna say honestly all glory to God because <laughs> there are times I don't know what I'm doing and how it's gonna work out I just focus on the work and just and everything else comes thankfully yeah there's a couple moments you said that stood out to me like making the jump like from nonprofit into that and like the breakup that spurred that the pandemic too that kind of pushed you even further um into the work so i'm i'm looking at that and reflecting on how I like like these big life moments that we have you know that in the moment might seem like kind of daunting i think for myself earlier this year i went through a major career transition you know took some time off took a leap of faith and taking another role now starting this show um so it's amazing like how that time can like really spur you for, forward like i remember even for myself like during the pandemic like i was taking a few screenwriting classes too just to keep like that creative mind going keep like sane and like level-headed um through that but tell me a little bit about like i'm i'm gonna put a pinpoint in like that transition that you took like from nonprofit uh into entertainment i i don't know if i'm speaking just for myself but i can imagine like for other people who have you know established careers like whether it's communic in communications or in other fields and it, it might feel i would imagine it might feel kind of scary you know leaving behind like what could be like steady income you know stable employment for an industry that you know as we can see right now you know is, is striking there's a lot of um changes like in the executives at major studios and all so what kind of gave you that that courage internally to say like i i can i can do this i i really I think what gave me the courage to do it was I didn't want to continue living my life the way that I was living it. So I was very secure and comfortable. I mean, I had been at this nonprofit for five years, actually working in communications. So I was, you know, still writing and creating adjacent, but it was working for this company and I would go to an office every day and do the commuting and sit in meetings. And after five years of doing that, and I think coupled with the breakup, you know, you just start thinking, if I'm not gonna be with this, oh wow, I'm not gonna be with this person anymore, how do I move forward? Well, to push that a step further, if I didn't have this job anymore, what would I wanna do? Or if I could do anything, what would I wanna do? And I just remember sitting in that office. I mean, it was a nice office where uh, <clears throat> it's one of those ones that's surrounded by glass. And I would just look out and see all these people, you know, in DC, just hustling and bustling and, and moving. And I just, I wanted to be outside, like not the outside that we'd like outside. outside, outside. Right. But like, right. I was like, I don't want to spend the next five years of my life sitting at sitting in a desk okay yeah i may have moved from you know a, a desk near the elevator to a corner office i just didn't want my life to be like that and so once i started to take the steps to figure out what i did love what i was in love with it 
I really just had a conversation with myself because I didn't know how anything was working out. I, I didn't. And that's why it's for me, it's all about faith because I left, I, I told my boss, I went to my office, my boss's office one day, I had tears streaming down. My, I said, I can't do it. I said, I need to, I said, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm giving you two weeks notice. Originally it was two weeks notice. And I was like, I'm moving to Atlanta. She was like, do you have a job? Do you have another job? I was like, no. She was like, do you have enough? Do you have a place to live? I was like, no. <laughs> and she was like, so what is your plan? And I was like, I am going to move to Atlanta and become a, a writer director. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And so I feel like, I don't know if you've ever read The Alchemist, but life will send you the people and opportunities that you need when you are doing something bold and when you are taking a risk. And so she was like, do you have a job? I was like, no. She said, okay, you're going to still work remote for us if you want to while you live in Atlanta. Don't have to worry about that. Cool. Left my um, apartment in D.C. Moved back home for a month. I didn't want to, but I had to do what I had to do until I found a place in Atlanta. Found a place in Atlanta. Moved. You know what I mean? These different things will work out. And I think sometimes we get so we care more about what the journey is going to look like than we than we care about, you know what I mean, actually taking the journey. Mm. And I just wanted to take the journey. I just, I knew that I just could not, I would be doing a disservice to myself and to my life and to everyone around me by continuing to live a lifestyle that wasn't making me happy mm -hmm. versus trying it and just seeing what happened. And so I took the risk. I'm taking notes from you because that is... <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I, I think obviously coming from like the same field, same kind of communications work, um, you know, on my end, like being in journalism or wanting to be on camera mm -hmm. and all, I get that where like I can get in my head sometimes like, well, if I don't have like a place or it's like, where do, where do you, oh yeah. So I, I admire that, like that courage just to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm do it and it'll, it'll fall in line. My grandmother told me one time, she said, people will talk themselves out of their blessing. Mm. You know what I mean? And I just, I just never forgot that because why not? We only have one life to live. Like, as long as it's not going to kill us, you know what I mean? Like, is it really going to be that bad? Yeah, it may suck going through it, but it's, is it really going to be that bad? Or are we willing to bet on ourselves? Versus, you know what I mean, betting on all of these external things that can happen that a lot of times never do happen. I thought I was going to be homeless, you know what I mean, twerking at Magic City in Atlanta. <laughs> and I never had to do that. You know what I mean? It always worked. Even when COVID hit, it, it just it just worked out, you know. It's amazing sometimes the stories we can tell ourselves, um, you know, that stop us, mm -hmm. you know, from living in our truth, you know, living our, our best, our best lives and like letting, you know, the gifts that we have yeah. come out, it can really slow that down. But, um, you know, I hope that people take away from this, um, you know, those, those sentiments you shared and like grandma said, um, I know I can definitely talk myself out of a blessing or two, um, <laughs> especially when it comes We all do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Without well, just career men, I talk myself out of those blessings all the time. Listen, or or talk yourself out of trouble, depending on how it's all right. It happens, though. It happens. Sometimes it's all right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's all right. Yeah. 
getting into the writer's strike a little bit now, um, how there was an article, I think you shared it with me um, as well on Refinery29, like talking about the the strike from the perspective of Black writers, but as a Black woman, how is this time impacting you? It's impacting me on so many levels. I remember when the, when the strike first started, the best way I could describe it to people not in the industry is like, it's, it's as if COVID hit again for the first time, but just filming TV. I was, you know, scheduled to, to go down to produce the episode that I had written for the show that I was supposed to go down May 2nd and we struck May 1st. So I had to cancel that. So, you know, already taking a financial hit, you know, upfront there. But I will say that what's been keeping me through is one, my family, you know, like they're so sweet. They'll ask like, how, what's the latest on the strike? Like how it's going? And I say they're sweet because you know they don't fully understand and then I'll just kick off into a rant and they'll just be like, okay. <laughs> um, so they've been keeping me sane and, and really, really, like I said, trying to be grateful that I actually do have the time to spend with them. But also I would say my community of, of writers and filmmakers, like I can't tell you, I know when the, fight, when the strike first hit, I called <laughs> one of my writer friends who lives in LA and I was like, girl, I'm so mad. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. She was like, girl, I just started my first week in the writer's room and we had to shut down and I don't know how to, and you know, it's just, it's the community um, that really keeps you going because I know that on days where I may not feel that gratitude, I may not feel that joy and things like that, or when it gets to be too much. I have people that I can reach out to and say, hey, honestly, this is how I'm feeling today. And they, you know what I mean, will pull me back, talk me off the ledge and vice versa. I've gotten those same calls from friends like, okay, we're entering, you know, month two. I don't know if this continues. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent, you know, things like that. And so I would say my family and my community of writers is what's keeping me going in addition to, like I said, focusing on what I can do during this strike, which is work on passion projects and things like that. Yeah. I want to hear about some of those passion projects um, coming up in, in the interview. But I think that as you, you were talking, I, I'm like on Twitter as how we connected and all, and it's where I've, I've mm -hmm. a lot of black writers, showrunners and all like mm -hmm. a little bit earlier about like, Issa Rae and all and how that kind of opened up the door to that. And I feel like social media has given me so much insight into a world where I'm like, I didn't even know that that was like a field um, or like a job that you could even hold. But with that, like I've been watching, you know, some of the sentiments that folks are sharing about, you know, their personal experiences with the strike. And I've gotten the mm -hmm. feeling in the sense that because it's Hollywood, I think that people always have the misconception that if it's, you know, attached to a, a network or a streamer or it's Hollywood or entertainment in some way that anybody involved got money or, you know, they're Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You know, realizing that in this writer's strike that there's a lot at, at stake, um, you know, for folks' livelihood in terms of like equity and um, 
pay fairness and like giving real opportunities um, for writers and particularly black writers, um, you know, to really stake their claim um, in this industry. So I said the word already, but tell me a little bit about what is at stake um, in this strike, like and in, in particular for, for black writers, like what um, for folks who may not, you know, be as um, closely tied to the strike, what are like some things that writers like yourself are advocating for um, and what is at stake overall um, for you and for the industry? What's at stake overall is the opportunity to actually have a career as a TV writer. So the way the industry has gone in the past few years with the rise of streamers and you know, the previous agreement and things like that. And honestly, just the way that these studios are moving, it's basically turned into a gig economy. You know what I mean? Where if you don't, it's just like any other gig economy or any other industry like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash. If you don't get out and drive today or, you know, what have you, you're not going to have the income that you need, you know what I mean, to to survive and to, uh, to, to, to live, basically. And so that's essentially what the WGA and the Guild is fighting for, is for writers who look like me, who look like you, to be able to say, I, I want to, I can, and I will build a career out of uh, writing for TV or making movies. Make for Black writers in particular is an opportunity to be in the room and an opportunity to actually build a career over time and actually grow into the role of showrunner or grow into the role of, you know what I mean, being a Shonda Rhimes or a Ryan Murphy or somebody like that. It's going to be very hard for that next uh, creator to come up because of the way that the industry is going now and the opportunity it's like you know less opportunities more competition but also less pay and so i know several writers who have other jobs you know what i mean i think between the writer's strike and like the recent like striking down of like affirmative action and the book ban all the stuff like it just feels in line with me with like this white lash that the country has been in since yeah 2016 election or like how the golden age of streamers like it allowed um black and brown creators writers actors and actresses alike to and producers you know all, all roles um across the industry to get those opportunities to have different stories told and now that it's like some steam has been mm-hmm. built up a little bit around that some momentum gained you know it's like the rug is snatched from underneath us um you know and i, I feel that and it is every area of, of life now for sure honestly it's i don't know if i can curse but i'm going to say this anyway it's fucking crazy because mm-hmm. like the studio the, the world knows what needs to be done right like you think about 2020 when you know even for hollywood specifically realize that oh we have a racism problem oh my god we have a sexism problem too mm-hmm. So they come out with all of these initiatives and we're going to do this and we're going to start these programs. They hire these, you know, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion officers and we're we're working on it. And so that tells me, you know, what needs to be done, you know, you know, how to uh, appease and satisfy writers, audiences and things like that, even 
you know what I mean, with the justice that that was uh, won in the in the George, you know, in the George Floyd case. This country knows what needs to be done, but as soon as you know what I mean, time passes and we move away from that. You know, just last week, I think four <laughs> four diversity, equity, and inclusion officers yeah. from these different studios were either pushed out, fired, or you know what I mean, stepped down. So it's like, oh, so here it is, three years later. Now you don't need them anymore. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and then you know, then you look at the, what's happening with the with the supreme, you know, with the Supreme Court. Like, oh, we don't. You know, we don't mind if uh, we we don't think race should be included in in college admissions, mm-hmm. but um, but it shouldn't apply to the you know to the military. Yeah. It's just you know what I mean. I feel like this. Um, it's a it's a little bit of a I call it darkness. It's it's just it's just cyclical. You know what I mean? Like in in some ways we had for good, or I guess I would say good as it gets years. You know. <laughs> between 2008 and 2016 and now you know i think i was under the belief that like oh okay maybe the you know the um just the madness that's happening won't last this long after the last election but we're still we're still in it um and it's crazy but you'd be surprised how you know politics and things plays a role even what's happening now with the with the strike in the entertainment industry so it's all it's all related, but it's all intentional too, which is very saddening and maddening. I agree. I, I agree. And I think that's been the hardest part about this. Like as a fan and lover of entertainment and film and television, it's tough, you know, to see, you know, folks like yourself who are directly impacted by this, you know, having to having to experience that. Um, but with one last thing within the, the writer's strike. What's a misconception, you know, or misunderstanding that you think people have about the strike that you want to clarify or help them understand? I think you set it up top. I think the biggest, the biggest misconception that I've come across is it, twofold. One, well, writing isn't that hard, so why should you guys get paid more money? And two, don't you get, don't you guys get paid a lot of money anyway? You know what I mean? And so with those being the, what I feel like are the two biggest misconceptions, a lot of people don't understand how serious this is and what impact and implication it can have on other, you know what I mean? On other industries and on this, on this nation. Um, A lot of people who I guess aren't, too in the thick of it, you know, just seem to believe that we want more money because the studios, you know what I mean? We see all the, you know, the pay and, you know, charts and everything about how much the, you know, CEOs and heads of the studios are making. And we want a piece of that. And the answer to that is yes. And we do want a piece of that because we deserve it. And without the work that we do, they wouldn't be able to have you know what I mean, what they have. And so we're really fighting to save TV writing as a career, but also to be able to, you know, live for ourselves in this, you know, in this, in this, um, in the current, you know, state of our union, basically. So I think that's the biggest misconception. Yeah, it's a tough time. 
But in thinking about like the, the toughness of, of this or how heavy of a season this might feel or in an industry that, you know, can be weighed down by like uncertainty or racism, how do you keep your faith? Or what keeps you grounded? For me, it's remembering everything that I've I've been through or everything that I've already seen or witnessed. Um, so for example, like I said, this this time that we're in now with the strike immediately took me back to COVID. You know, I had <clears throat> I had left that nonprofit uh for for good in January 2020. Started uh freelancing and independent directing in uh february and had gigs lined up for march and throughout the year by march 2020 that all you know what i mean that all kind of went away and i remember thinking during that time you know i think i really was in a season of depression for a while because i was so hopeful right like i had just left this job i had did the thing and you know i took that leap of faith and the whole world kind of crashed and there was nothing I could do about it. And so I had to focus. What got me through COVID was focusing on what I could do versus focusing on what I couldn't do or focus on or, um, you know, look for the opportunities that were there versus focusing on the opportunities that weren't there anymore. And so I made it through, you know what I mean? Thankfully, uh, I was able to still, you know, do some incredible work, keep my sanity, um, get back into um, find new passions and new loves that ultimately ending up ended up propelling my career. And so I think what life has taught me is that there's always going to be, you know, detours and think unexpected detours and road closures and all that along the journey. But you just have to keep going and so i really just try to focus on what i what i can do and accept what is i think i think that was probably the biggest lesson that i learned during during you know the high covid because covid is still going on um high covid though was acceptance versus you know what i mean fighting against it mm -hmm. um so that's really what keeps me going and so day to day you know i'm back i have my own schedule again <laughs> you know what i mean i can set my own schedule you know it's just it's it's the little things um, but you have to you have to be intentional about finding those little things to be happy for sometimes and i literally have to force myself and the way i keep my faith is you know i just i read a devotional every day and i pray every morning i meditate um i try to work out i'm not always the best at that but um you know just i have to take care of myself still yeah yeah, that's powerful. I think getting to that place of like surrender and acceptance like can be tough, um, but like letting that go, like I experienced that um, earlier this year, like when I left the job, you know, without another. Yeah. And I had always said like my whole life, I was like, I'll never leave a job without another one lined up. Like who would do that? Super mm -hmm. but of course, you know, as soon as you go saying something, you do it yourself, like it, that's so true it's always true <laughs> yeah it changed my perspective on things like that completely and now i am so 
supportive of people taking those leaps um, for themselves. I think we do ourselves and the world a disservice, like when we remain. We are. Yeah. That's how people end up in, I guess I bring up the book, The Alchemist again. That's how people end up, you know, you might see the, the, the woman working at the Macy's counter and she's, you know, singing while she's doing your makeup and da, da, da. and it's like, girl, what you doing working? It's nothing wrong working at the Macy's counter. I don't want nobody listening to be like, well, I work at the Macy's counter. She, <laughs> it's nothing wrong with that. But if you always knew in your heart you wanted to be a singer, you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, there are things, there are certainly setbacks that will happen. It's, you know, whether we keep going. And you took, you know what I mean? You took a leap of faith and you believed in yourself. You did something you never said. You said you would never do. And I don't know, would we be, would we even be sitting on this podcast right now if you hadn't done that? No, no. I had had this idea for at least two years now and I couldn't think of a name for it in that time. I was like, I know the concept, Mm. like who I want to talk to, what I want to talk about. Or, and you know, I was, yeah. I just couldn't, I didn't have like the clarity to bring those pieces together. I think that mm, when you're in that that's state good. of like just survival or like just plowing through your routine and like doing what we have to do, it can be tough to find those pockets of time to do like what you want to do or like, or if you are so drained by yes. like the job that like, you're not happy in or the relationship that you're unhappy in or whatever that circumstance is. I know it can be tough, you know, to, to do that. And I, I think I say all this with the understanding, like similar, to, I think, to what you were getting at that, like life lives. And like, I'm not ignorant to the fact that there are like structures and systems and forces and things outside of our control, you know, that can get in the right. way of those dreams. But I think as often as possible, you know, I've learned from, earlier this year and now in hearing your experience that if we can like take that leap, you know, because I, I think we'll be better for it, you know, on the other side of that. You know what I love about what you just said is, you know, you said you have the concept, you have this, but what you needed was clarity and what was in the way of having that clarity or gaining it was being in survival mode. But what's so dope and so full circle is that you ended up naming your podcast a space for you. And that's exactly what you had to do in order to find the name for this podcast. You had to make space for yourself. And I think that's that's really the whole thing is that sometimes because we have, you know, these judgments or life, you know, life lives, we don't make space for the rewards or for the blessings or for the journey. And so sometimes you do have to leave that job, even though you said you never would. You know what I mean? You do have to leave, you know what I mean, that person that you're with, even though, you know what I mean, it feels so good to be with them when it's good. You know what I mean? And it sucks when it sucks, but it is what it is. You know, we do have to create that space. So I don't know. Congratulations and kudos to you. I think a space for you is the perfect name and honestly, the perfect brand name. Like, you got books, you can have. You know what I mean? Lifestyle, lifestyle wear, podcast, you know what I mean? An app, like, girl, you got it going on. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning, as long as you continue to make space for everything else, so. Thank you. I received that so much. Oh, my goodness. It's been a, um, it's been a journey, you know, and, and, and yeah. I think we talked, like, we had, like, a quick 
for folks that are listening, we had a quick prep call um, before this, and I was telling Shaquayla about, you know, the last few months have just been a time, you know, between starting a new job, I lost my grandmother, uh, you know, at the start of May. And that's what I mean by like, you know, those life moments happen. This is my first episode back. Yeah. Because when I set the intention of doing like at least, you know, two episodes a month or so. So, you know, still finding that balance. But I think, um, you know, when you have, it, it's taught me that when you have like that idea or something, it didn't just come into your mind like by accident, you know? So it was, I felt compelled and like almost like a responsibility that like I have this yeah, have to see it through. And now that like I'm here now to hear what you're saying, I'm like, okay, I have to see like what I can make of this. So thank you for that for that reminder today. Yeah, I think we I think everybody has a gift or talent or something in them that they are supposed to do for this world. And my prayer is that more people just go after it and live life and figure out what it is and actually pursue it you know what i mean i think that's what helps make the world a better place i agree because when we're all living in that like you just we're lighter you know when you yeah so but thank you for that encouragement but back to your gifts um um, i want to come back to what you mentioned earlier like some passion projects that you've been taking on you know in this time that you have Mm -hmm. now so tell me a little bit more about those, um, you know, what stories, you know, as your career continues to evolve and grow, um, what stories are you looking forward to telling? So I always draw inspiration from life, either people I meet, situations, or, you know, just things that I read about. And, but mo- more often than not, from my family. <laughs> my family is crazy um and I, and, I, and I say that yeah i say that with love you know what i mean it's it's really insane and so uh last year i was working on a feature film about the legacy of my grandmother and how this one vacation that she took literally changed the trajectory of the of the generations of women that came after her including myself and I ended up losing her. Um, she passed almost one year ago uh, today. Uh, she passed July 8th last year. And that took me down. I was just like, I, you know, because we had been, I had been talking to her more, you know, getting her insights into telling me the stories. What's really great, though, is that my grandmother was hilarious. But uh she gave me all of these. She would just call me and be like, hey, I have an idea. Uh, you should write about this. Like, this is so funny. So my grandmother was an entrepreneur. She had a tax business, a trucking business, and a home health care business. None of those things. But none of those things are related, except for the fact that she, she just like making money. And so, um, but she, you know, she worked for herself. She was able to... Uh, you know what I mean? She was she lived the lifestyle she wanted to live, and uh, I think that's what inspired me. And so, there's a few ideas that her and I have talked about, more so comedies, a few, few reality TV show ideas that she had that I've actually taken the time to flesh out um, that I think are really good. But so, but last year though, I was trying to write this movie, and then she passed. It was loosely based on her and. 
I just, I just had such writer's block. And then one night, um, my dad called and he was like, you know, what are you working on? And I was like, oh, you know, I've worked. He's like, no, like, what are you working on for you? And he just like went off on me. He was like, I know you just had this setback, but like, you can't stop going. Like your, your mission isn't over yet. Like you have to, you are always writing for yourself and reading books. And and so I was like, I didn't feel like myself. And he, he recognized that and he kind of called lovingly called aggressively, but lovingly called me out on it. And so I was like, okay, I don't really know what to do with this. I mean, he's right, but I don't, I don't know how to move forward because this was the first big loss that I ever experienced. I'm like, I don't know how to move forward. Um, and so, you know, with the help of, of therapy and honestly just taking time, I woke up one night and this, I remember somebody saying to me one time, you know, they don't make movies about the war while the war is happening. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not until the war is over that they start. And that's when I realized that I can't, I'm not in the right space to write this story about her while I'm grieving the loss of her. And I was like, I need to write something light. You know what I mean? Because I've been in drama mode. You know, the show that I work on is a drama. And so I've been writing dramas for the past three, five years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need something light in my life. You know what I mean? And so I've pivoted to uh, working on comedies again, which is actually how I started writing. Everything comes back full circle. And um, now I'm working on a new comedy pilot and in the middle of writing that and you know we'll see where it goes i am i try to write with intention versus expectation so you know i don't try to put that i mean if it gets sold it makes me you know what i mean that would be great but (laughs) but right now i just want to tell a funny story and spend some time with you know what i mean some some funny characters and just feel you know, feel something other than, you know what I mean? The anger and all of this stuff, all of these other, um, you know, more intense emotions that I feel when I think about the strike, the Supreme Court and, you know, all all this other stuff. I love that. And I'm wishing you like all the best in in writing. I know you just said you write wooden. Thank you. I'm I'm gonna mess it up, but um, writing with intention and not with with expectation, um, and I think that's the perfect energy and like space to be occupying. Like when you just kind of let go of it, so have yeah. a good feeling of where that'll go. And I think the world is. Oh, thank you. I received it. <laughs> and I think the world, or selfishly me, like needs like I love. We need laughter, like in that. Like I I can remember. Yes, we do. Yeah, like I can think of. Um, or I'm thinking of when like Abbott Elementary came out, or, like uh, right? Insecure shows that you know kind of popped up in these last yes. years. It's just been tough, and like you know the light that it kind of brings. So I'm a little bit sad that like I don't know if you know production is going to be delayed on Abbott or like other things. My kids. I know. I'm I'm heartbroken. I'm like I'm a little bit yeah. And then what really sucks is that even if you watch the shows, the writers aren't get the residuals. So it's like don't get me started. <laughs> but so yeah. Between that I'm heartbroken about um Grand Crew, that was one of my favorite shows. Oh, uh, and Southside, did you ever watch Southside? Girl. 
I know. I know. I, I, I just wanted to scream. Like when I like, oh my God, I can't put into words how disappointed that was. Like I, I just. But that's why we need more black writers so that we can continue to, you know, my dream, my ultimate dream is to one day, you know what I mean? Just be over all of this, all of this stuff and just have a, a complete network or streaming of, of just nothing but original TV shows and green light other writers and just really just set the world on fire because there's so many amazing stories to tell that need to be told. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad you said original so, we'll too see. because while I love yes. the piece and some of the reboots and or like retakes on things um, can be cool. I'm always a fan of like, what's like, what's new? Like an original little what's new so, yeah yeah i know we're coming up bless you. Oh, excuse me. Uh, thank you i know we're coming up um you know to the end of our conversation but before we close out what else do you want to make space for today hmm. <laughs> that's a good question you know what to be honest i really want to make space for more love you know that's something else that this strike has helped me realize is that, you know, I focus so much on work, work, work. It's like, what else is there? You know, there's more to life at the end of the day than just, you know, working and being, you know what I mean? A boss, there's TV writer, like, <laughs> you know, so I, I want to make space for more love in my life, I think. I love that. That's that's the honest answer. I was I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna tell a lie, but that was the first thing that came to mind. So I was like, Nah, that's probably the truth. I'm gonna tell it. I love it. I love it. Tell the truth. I think <laughs> there's so many people could um relate to that. I think myself, you know, in, included. Love in the forms of, you know, someone's son wants to get their life together for me, or right, <laughs> yeah, you know, the love of family, or even somebody's daddy. At this point, it's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> that my, my 30 is like peeking around the corner for me so i'm like yeah it is, it is it's, yeah that, yeah it's, it's time for i saw this meme where it's like i'm at that age where i could date the son or the daddy at this point in time and i was like you know you know what <laughs> that is that is very true like i can <laughs> I was in uh, Atlanta recently and I remember meeting like, you know, somebody they're a little older and, um, you know, was mentioning he had a son. I'm like, well, both of you, I'm sure are very, <laughs> so like, which, right. you know, I guess I do have the option now. So good for me. Right. It's crazy, right? Like we're at that, yeah, we're getting, we're getting to that point. I love that for us. So. I did too. <laughs> the more options, the better. <laughs> yes. Shaquayla, this has been so much fun today. You have been such a joy um, and a light. I learned so Thank much you. about um, not just the writer's strike, but like about you and your journey. And I really mean it when I say I'm wishing you all the best in this. I hope that our paths can like re um, reconnect or like recross or cross again, uh, you know, at, at some point soon in our careers. So thank you. Um, I would really love that. Yes, please. Thank you for the generosity of your time, of your knowledge, of your smile and everything. So just <laughs> grateful for it all. Thank you. Thank thank you for having me. And um it was it was truly a pleasure and 
thank you for you know what I mean the thoughtful questions and also um I can't wait to see where your journey goes to like I can see that journalism background and I can see that this makes you really happy and I think that I think that you're really on to something so you know you probably gonna have to invite me back for the 100th episode or something in the future you know what i mean a little anniversary ones to the show who supported me when i was just figuring it out you know as i go okay so, <laughs> we're gonna get there yes we're gonna be like nina please like carisha please but you know what i mean but but you know a little bit more you know what i mean a little bit more oprah ish you know? that's why i'm a mix of carisha oprah whatever yeah 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 but thank you. but thank you so much You're welcome and thank you my dear thank you all for tuning in to this latest episode um i'm on apple podcast now so if you're not uh locked in there please be sure you are checking me out there on spotify youtube um subscribe to the channel as well and i'll see you real soon and until then stay in peace stay in love and keep making space for you